0: Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, today we celebrate the feast of the finding of the Holy Cross. And while the specific word that our Lord has for us this morning doesn't necessarily have to do with that story. You will find the story of the finding of the Holy Cross in the bulletins that we emailed out to all of you. And I encourage you to please read about that tremendous story, the miraculous discovery of the finding of the Holy Cross. But in short, St. Constantine, the great emperor of Rome, we all know, at least most of us know from history, one of his great works was legalizing Christianity after the many, many years of Roman persecution against the Christians. St. Constantine the Great and his mother, St. Helen. They had decided to rebuild Jerusalem after Rome had completely sacked and destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70. And when they did so they went to Jerusalem, they found that there were many pagan temples that had been constructed on the Christian holy sites. And so one of the first things they did was they tore down these pagan uh, places of worship. And they erected churches, once again, on those sites. Another part of the mission, as they were rebuilding Jerusalem and going back into Israel, they sought to find some of the holy items that had to do with Christ's life, death, and ministry of salvation to us all. And one of the items that they sought was the precious and life-giving Holy Cross, on which our Lord suffered greatly, but also won for us such an absolute victory. You know, I get asked the question very often by people inquiring into the Orthodox Church, and particularly from ones that came from where I came from, from a Protestant background. And one of the questions I often get is, what is it with the keeping and the reverencing and the worshiping of all of these physical items, right? And the first thing I correct very quickly is you'll find no worship of any physical items in the Orthodox Church ever or our Lord would have them destroyed. And He's done that in the Old Testament. But as far as the keeping and the reverencing, to answer the question why we do this, I simply point them to a reality of relationship and order with God and His people all throughout the ages from the very beginning, ever since God had a people. He had them be about this practice of reverencing holy items, items which had been set aside by Him for His holy use for their deliverance or for their salvation from something. Um, In fact, I'll give you just one example of this from the Old Testament. I tell them, don't ever forget That God told His people to put certain holy items into the Ark of the Covenant that would remain in the most holy place where the very presence of God dwelled among His people. He told them in the Ark, I want you to put the golden jar of manna, that miraculous bread had been gathered and put into a golden jar. The miraculous bread that had fed Israel all those years journeying in the wilderness, God would provide a thin layer of bread on the ground every morning. Also in the Ark of the Covenant was the rod of St. Aaron, the high priest St. Aaron, that budded with life a piece of wood, that budded with life and bore almonds. And the other was the very tablets on which the finger of God wrote the law for Moses. All of these physical items, God said you keep them. And you put them in the most holy place you can put them in the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because they were a remembrance. They were a remembrance of something that He did for them. The manna, His provisions in the desert. The rod budding, showing that Aaron truly was the priest, but also prefiguring the cross that through a piece of wood, life would bloom all over the world. And the commandments, also the Ten Commandments, they remembered the law given to them. And every one of those items in the Ark of the Covenant, my friends, make no mistake, they pointed to fulfillment in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, who said, I was that man. I was that man. And He's the one that went to the cross for us to have life. And He is the fulfillment of the law. And therefore, we continue the practice that God has always had us do. By seeking out and and reverencing and remembering the great works of God that He has done. Through the stuff of earth that He separated for His holy use. And the holy cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely one of these pieces of creation that God set aside for the salvation of mankind. And that's what we focus on today. We celebrate its discovery by St. Helen in AD 326 in Jerusalem. So what is our message for today? So close. After celebrating Holy Week, celebrating the cross many days of the Holy Week, particularly on Good Friday, and celebrating the wondrous resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, Our message goes back to the cross itself and what St. Paul said in Galatians and we heard sung in the intro to the very beginning of this mass that we are to glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by glory that means we are to boast, we are to brag, we are to celebrate, we are to rejoice in everything that Christ did in and through that piece of wood on which he hung. Many of us know that all, or at least are aware that all things in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, everything in the Old Testament, just like those items in the Ark of the Covenant, all of them are fulfilled and point to our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Covenant. And in the Old Covenant, there are a number of narratives and there are a number of physical items that prefigure the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and in doing so they actually help reveal to us what his incredible ministry was on our behalf upon that cross. And I'm only going to give us two reflections from the old covenant that shows us this. The first one is this, it's the wooden staff of Moses himself as it is used and described in Exodus in chapter 14. Many of us will remember this story God's people had been enslaved for over 400 years in Egypt at the merciless hand of the Egyptian rulers that forced them into very hard labor. And God had so struck Egypt and Pharaoh himself with all of those plagues and that last devastating plague that finally Pharaoh's heart broke enough to relent and actually command Moses to take his people out of Egypt. And if you can picture thousands and thousands of Hebrew people filing in this great procession, leaving their bondage behind and going out of Egypt. And they went out of Egypt and they came to the Red Sea. And about the time they came to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's heart had gotten hard once again. And in absolute rage, he sent his entire military, all of his chariot forces, to go and hunt down and kill all of Israel. And so Israel's back is literally to the wall. Looking ahead, they face drowning, death by drowning in the Red Sea. They turn around and they face a death by military forces. It's one of the two. And what does God tell Moses to do? He says, Moses, hold up your staff. A piece of wood created from a tree. Hold up your staff and hold it over the waters. And when he held it over the waters... A great wind came and blew open the waters of the Red Sea so they had land that they could cross over, passing through those waters to their safety. And as they were passing and as they got to the other side, they turned around and looked. And Pharaoh relentlessly had commanded his forces to continue to pursue them even through the waters to absolutely destroy them. God tells Moses once again, take your staff. That piece of wood. a Stuff of creation. Take your staff and hold it over the waters. And when Moses did. The Lord caused the waters to collapse and envelop and drown all of Pharaoh's military. By the wood of the staff. The way out of bondage and slavery was forged by the power of God. And by the wooden staff. The enemy of God's people. Was rendered powerless. And rendered. He was crushed literally in those ways. And all of this is fulfilled. In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he hangs on a created piece of wood. The church understands the work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Being one of both deliverance. And absolute warlike victory. Through the power of the cross. Through the work of Christ on the cross, we would have our path forged by the power of God for us to escape our oppressor. A way back to our heavenly Father. A path forged once again to paradise long lost. And through the power and the work of Christ on the cross, our enemy has been thrown. Our enemy has been conquered and rendered powerless and weak. And you hear St. Paul speak of this in our epistle reading. Or not our epistle reading, forgive me. The reading from this morning's matins. Colossians chapter 2. Listen to his words. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him. Having forgiven you all the trespasses... Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Listen to this. Having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, Paul says. I love that phrase. Disarming the powers and he made a public spectacle of our very enemies. I love those words because you have to understand the Roman design of the cross. It was for this reason. The whole basis of the cross, the whole purpose of the cross was to make a public spectacle of lawbreakers. They would hang them all along the most widely used roads right outside. Of all of Rome. They would hang them mercilessly outside. Because they wanted to demonstrate the power of Rome over anyone else. And don't you dare think to go against the laws or the forces of Rome. They made a public spectacle of their enemies and their lawbreakers. And what does our Lord Jesus Christ do while upon that very weapon so to speak. That very message the cross he turns it into making a public spectacle of Satan and all of the demonic, showing forth his glory, showing forth his power, and demonstrating their weakness in comparison to the power of the kingdom of God and the king of kings himself. I want you to see this. When you look at, and I pray, this will, your, your, your sight will change. And your experience will change when you look upon a cross, a Christus Rex, a crucifix. To see the love of God that is going on here. I wrestled all week with this idea of trying to capture some word to describe the love that we are seeing here in Christ on our behalf. And I wrestled all the way till yesterday morning. And yesterday morning when I was getting ready for the day, a word came to me that really brought me joy. When we see this ministry of Christ on the cross, my friends, you are seeing the fierceness of the love of God that wars for your soul's release and salvation. Have you ever thought that the love of God is a fierce force that wars, that battles, that throws down enemies so that His beloved can be free? You are seeing the fierceness of the love of God. His love that makes a way, forges the way through Satan and the demonic for us to return to him and be with him forever. The second prefiguring of the cross in the Old Testament is the wooden staff that delivered God's people from the plague of snakes that we find in Numbers in 21. Remember this story. They were journeying through the wilderness and God's people once again turned their hearts away from God. They become very frustrated and their hearts hardened against God. And so God delivered them into the hand of a plague of serpents. And God's people were being poisoned one by one. Some were dead and some were dying there in the wilderness. And what does God tell Moses to do? Fashion a wooden staff. Again, a piece of wood from a tree and put a bronze serpent, hang a bronze serpent upon the staff, set it up in the midst of my people. And anyone that just looks at this staff, they will be healed of the poison and they will be delivered from the poisoner, the snakes. Those who looked upon that piece of wood set aside by God for his holy use. They indeed were healed of the poison within them and delivered from that very plague. It's hard for us not to see the prefiguring of the cross in such an example in the work of Christ as he would be lifted up, not a serpent, upon a piece of wood made out of a tree. Which is why we have in our gospel reading today in St. John in chapter 3 where Jesus says of himself, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me read you a teaching from St. Justin Martyr, very early church. In between the first and second generation beyond the apostles. He was born in the early AD 100s. St. Justin Martyr said this, By this lifting up of the serpent, He proclaimed the mystery where he declared that he would break the power of the serpent, which occasioned the transgression of Adam. He would bring salvation to those who believe on him because of this sign, the crucifixion. Salvation from the poison of the serpent, which are wicked deeds, idolatries, and unrighteous acts. Just as God commanded the sign to be made by the brazen serpent, and yet he is blameless, even so... Though a curse lies in the law against persons who are crucified, yet no curse lies on Christ our God, by whom all that have committed things worthy of a curse are saved. In the first foreshadow of the cross from Exodus 14, we see the fierceness of the love of God to set us free by throwing down our enemies and providing the very path for us to be with Him again. To have union with Him again. And in the second foreshadowing of the cross here that you just heard. You see the tenderness and the love and the mercy of a great physician healing His beloved. Jesus' ministry on the cross offered mercy and healing to the souls of mankind. Those who believe in Christ the Crucified. The one who hung on that cross can now be healed of the poison of the serpent, Satan. And what is the poison within us? It is a look at all of our dysfunctions. Look at all of the vices within us. Look at all of the ungodly passions that stir us away from God. Look at the deeply rooted brokenness of us all. All of these things are the poison of Satan that is within us. And those of us who cast the eyes of our soul upon our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hung on that precious wood. All of those who cast the eyes of their soul on them. Can find healing from the poison within. And deliverance from the one who seeks to continually poison us. Even unto our death. My friends one of our greatest prayers. One of my greatest prayers for you. With all of this in mind. Is that when you consider. And when you look upon the holy cross. Again be it a cross, a crucifix, a Christus rex. I pray that you may have the experience of the fierceness of the love that God has for you. He had it then. He has it now. And he is driven to set you free. And He will do whatever means and make sure it happens if we will turn to Him. And this same Lord, as we look upon Him on the cross, or consider Him on the cross, I pray that you experience the tender mercy of the healing of the great physician from the poison already in there. Those experiences are there to be had. And I'm telling you, the more we grow in the experience of this type of the love of God, this perfect, incredible love that is still a mystery to me even when I talk about it, when we experience that love, that is what draws us to repentance. That is what draws us to make our life an offering back to God, an offering of love, because we have been the recipients of such love. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.